Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast on the Serious Angler Network, presented by Rec Lending here in 2024. We are at the cusp of tournament season starting all across the country, and we're seeing it play out. So far, we haven't had an Elite Series event, but we've had, obviously, different major league fishing events we've got currently going on in front of me as we're recording this i've got the live going for the invitationals and um of course the opens now on final day having live coverage in pfl we've been seeing a lot and it just has me kind of thinking and i'm sure this is on the top of a lot of people's minds and just thinking how we kind of work through this in the industry but just the entertainment and fishing and making this something that is viable as an entertainment and a learning source. That's how I utilize watching live fishing anyway. I think education first because I'm a tournament angler. I learn from these guys. And then number two is the entertainment side of things. So without further ado, we uh, had some technology difficulties, which that that definitely happens. Uh, and in the interim, we've kind of are going with a show here with our uh, with our boys, with the Serious Angler crew doing a breakdown, uh, kind of giving our take on what we've seen so far in live fishing in 2024. We've all been watching this stuff and give a breakdown with with the group. So without further ado, let's bring our boys in, Andy and Bailey. What's going on, fellas? Waiting for it to warm. <laughs> Waiting up, for it to warm. Yes, I needed to get warm. I'm missing my boat at the moment. And uh Bailey's lucky he's got the kayak so he can kind of go out and fish if he wants to now or if he has time. But I think he's actually, you're walking ready to leave to go south, so you're lucky. And uh, it's going to get cold here again in western New York, so I can't wait. Hey, buddy, you got a truck too? You can go south? I know, but I got to get the boat ready first and too many steelhead trips. So I'm stuck. Too yeah, many yeah, steelhead yeah. trips. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that sounds like a bunch of fun. These guys... As I'm learning in Idaho, my goodness, the amount of steelhead guys is uh, is crazy. Uh, every lake, every sorry, every lake, every river I go by, like we have real rivers, like you guys do. We didn't have real rivers in Colorado, but yeah. this is a place where there's actual rivers. Are you really and, close to the snake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the that's snake the runs, big one. That's yeah. right. There's the snake, and then there's all these tributaries off of that that are just all these guys like from Montana and all over just come down here and, and they're chasing steelhead around. So it's, it's interesting to see and learn about. Um, it's, it's definitely a cool thing to see these giant fish come out of these, you know, sometimes smaller sections of river. Mm -hmm. But boys, yeah. So, so Andy's busy steelhead fishing, waiting to get the boat out. I get that. I've been uh, procrastinating doing some boat work uh, here lately and need to, because I've, as I found out, some of these places stay open in the winter and I've been able to sneak out and go chase, uh, chase some big fish this winter. But Bailey, you're preparing for a derby, a big derby down south. Tell us what you got going. Yeah, so we're uh, Friday-ish. I'm going to make a 10 or so hour trek uh, down. I'm tentatively right now going to go see the uh, the Hobie Eyewear crew uh, and hang out with them for a little bit. Um, hopefully that'll, that'll stay uh, as planned, but i uh, going to go down there and next weekend going to go meet up with uh, our boy Justin Largin who's uh, the host of kayak fishing weekly on our, on our network. And uh, we have the first Bassmaster kayak event of the year down at Lake Murray, which uh, for a few years now has been kind of on the bucket list of wanting to go and 
uh, and fish it. And I think people really saw it show out as of recent, you know, when, when Bassmaster went down there, uh, was it last year? And, um, just one of them kickstarting the year off. I always love, you know, traveling, getting out of New York and experience new fisheries and things like that. More just from a, uh, I think us as anglers, we all love the idea of a new body of water to us, like new to us, not just in Jimmy Murray's obviously gets a lot of pressure, but just the, the, a new landscape, a new environment to go and explore. So I'm just pumped from that fact. And, uh, then afterwards, uh, after that event, I get to go down and see my parents in Florida. So I'm going to go do a little salt water fishing and some bass fishing in Florida as well. But yeah, I always look forward to these trips and getting on the road. I love, I love road trips as I'm sure, uh, Deacon, I know you're a road warrior as well. So it's, uh, it's that time of year. Let's kick it off. Yeah. Let's throw some miles down. I'm, I'm with you. And dude, you're, you make a great point on how anglers, um, want to explore new areas. I don't know what that is. I do the same thing with hunting. I do the same thing. Like, I think it is an, an instinctual thing in humans to like want to explore that new stuff. Like if I can go find a, a new, a, like you're saying, like bucket list tournament, lake where you've seen stuff where you're like, man, I want to go see that for myself. I want to go see this place for myself, or it could be, a off the way, you know, hidden kind of hidey hole lake or something like we have that innate, like, it's like we, you could live, you live in a place for instance, that has incredible bass fishing. But you're like, I want to go there because you know, that's just, it's crazy <laughs> to me how we have that. It's gotta be something, uh, instinctual. I feel like, you know, it's, it's the unknown to us, right? We could, we could watch an event every week on a body of water, but unless we're actually there and doing it, like it's, it's not the same. Whereas like, it, it's this unknown and natural human curiosity that we have to go and try something new. Um, and it's that honestly, I think that's just most angles what we live for, for the most part, you know, there's, there's always that, you know, it might not be a better lake. It could be known for being small, but just for the fact that it's like, say it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's just some sort of adventure that just kind of right. draws us to it. And that's exactly what I'm all in on. I feel like, uh, the more years I'm fishing, especially now in current day fishing our client, what the, the industry looks like, I'm just more drawn to the adventure and exploration fact than, than anything else. So dude. Yeah. And that's a, that's an interesting point too. I feel like that's what you're seeing and you've seen that. Like, I feel like the going on the, the YouTube or even prior to YouTube, these shows like the fishing shows and then same with the hunting shows that I have always been drawn to. And I think people are drawn to are those like, Oh, we're going to go down this two track. That's a pain in the butt of a drive to get a boat on this and then go put this boat on this lake in the middle of the UP or something. Right. And it's loaded, you know, those mm -hmm. kinds of like adventures to get there. Like that to me is, is you're right. Like people are drawn to that. Um, and if, and especially if there was like no tournament fishing at all, I feel like that's what I would be doing exclusively. Like I'm doing more of that now than I ever have, but I would be doing that like exclusively. Like that's what I, my, you know, I would be going and trying and, and finding these places that are out of the way and these types of things just because of the adventure aspect. Yeah, man, people, I think humans in general just yearn for something new. Like it's whether that's a, a new setting, it's a new car, it's a new house. It's just when you when you do something the same way over and over and over again, uh, I don't want to say that it gets old or boring, but to to an extent you're used to it, and that's not right. a bad thing. But it people like stagnant. I think is the word you're looking for. 
Yeah, yeah, more or less. It's just it's just the fact that like you you want to experience something that's new to you, new memories. It's whether that's learning something new or just simply just experiencing it, which I think that's going to come full circle in what we're talking about today. Uh, but it, it's just something, man. That I I think that like as a viewer, you know, well, we can kind of just kick right into it. Like a viewer doesn't mm-hmm. want to watch the same thing, same thing happening every single tournament, right. every single location, right? So they they want to see some sort of mix up, even if it's something that hasn't been recent, you know what I mean? Like it, it could have been a tournament location five years ago, but now it feels mm-hmm. new because it's been a long time where like there's times too, where like I'll have, I'm trying to think of, it, of an example of this, but there's like a, we'll call it a, I'll take a hoodie. Okay. So I have a hoodie that I'm, I'm given for Christmas one year and Say I don't get too fat and it still fits me a couple of years down the road. But and I, I forget about that hoodie and I, you know, have this stash of laundry or whatever in the closet. And three years later, have you know, I haven't seen it and I finally find this hoodie. It's like, oh crap, forgot about this thing. Like it's refreshing. It's somewhat, you know, bring it back up. You haven't seen it in a while. I think people are just looking for something fresh. You know what I mean? And that's that's a lot of what we're chasing nowadays. But I don't want to get too far ahead and long winded no. that conversation. But I think that's, I mean, no, I think you're dead on. I mean, so really the premise of this show is to kind of like, okay, we've started this, this tournament series. I mean, sorry, we have not started a tournament series. The tournament season has started in 2024. We've all been watching live footage. We had uh, last weekend, the absolute already just out the gates. We've got three tournaments going on. The NPFL is happening. The uh, BPT is happening as well as the final day of the open is happening live all three on the same day. So I I like on that this last weekend, I compared and was like, okay, I'm going to look at some of this footage and granted it's the time of year where you really see forward facing sonar play more than anything, just because it's, you know, winter to early spring where those fish are grouped up out deep across the country. But then you see like a Florida in the open going on and it's like, to me, I found myself having a hard time tuning into certain things and not into certain things. And that's what I wanted to kind of break down and say, okay, like as a sport, like there's no doubt people don't like it's it's hard to watch someone not talking through something and just staring down at their screen doing the same types of things. And it's like, how do we make this coverage better? We've kind of seen some of the live show up on the graph. We've seen some of that stuff. But what was your takeaways, both of you, from the live footage we've seen thus far? What what was kind of your takeaway? What did you like? What didn't you like going into the start of this season on tournament coverage, which is now all live? Like, that's the trend there. We've seen that for a while now where everything is live for the whole day. Kick it off, Andy. Well, I mean, I think, there's a couple things that you can take away from it. It's that there's less talking, less education from an angler standpoint. It I find it very hard to watch. I, I haven't watched very much, to be completely honest. But when I have tuned in for a couple brief moments, it's like, okay, in Florida, I know Kachobee, they're watching them on beds and they're not really talking through what they're doing. They're just casting head down the whole time. So I find myself turning away from it as much as I love tournament fishing and looking at other places to get information from recently, like going to YouTube and watching YouTube channels to see what works best this time of year. And it's unfortunate in my opinion, how much anglers are looking down. I just, it's boring to me, to be honest. I I can't watch it. So 
I, I look forward to something different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And I love it. Like I love forward facing sonar, right? Because it's something I use every day. But it's so hard to watch other people's using the technology in every single event. Like Florida is a place that you'd think that we'd be able to escape from it. And then last year, Tyler Rivette proved us all wrong, and now everyone thinks they have to do it to win a derby. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's such a interesting topic because i feel all three of us are in the same position on it and i think we all feel the same dilemma as avid anglers that love the sport but also can see like i feel like we're in a position where we can see both sides of things and where we all absolutely love right right and i i think with the preface again is these are three anglers here for people that are watching or listening that we're not pro anglers or anything like this we're just giving you our personal point of view we're not talking with some sort of credibility, just a different point of view. So, so stick with us here. Um, and it's that absolutely love the hell out of using forward facing sonar. I've learned so much, not even just from a fishing and catching aspect, but so much about fish, how they behaved, like different things that you would never have known if you didn't have forward facing sonar. Um, from that being said, I love it. I love using it. I also love turning it off and going and fishing without it being more you know intrinsic and with nature and just letting instincts roll but from a viewer standpoint getting to your main question deacon i'm seeing what we what people were complaining about the end of last year the smallmouth herbs being carried already to the beginning of the 2024 season because the way the schedules rolled out and the way fish are setting up in these fisheries and how you know the 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 fisheries are looking to anglers at the beginning of the schedule. It's completely, it's the same thing. It's rolling right into the season and people are like, Oh, Okeechobee. Like we're not, we're going to see some punch in some bed fish and some frogging. We're seeing the same thing. Guys are looking down, you know, as you, you referenced earlier, the uh, Brian new on Bass Talk live, uh, how like he looked up and 80 other boats are all staring down at the screen. Uh, it's one of those things where, I look at this and I, I try to, I, I can understand why a lot of people, especially a, a 100% fan that, you know, their, their whole involvement of it is they want to watch. I can understand the frustration, the overwhelming, just boredom. I'm going to use that term from this. Cause I don't know how else to describe it of these tournaments as a viewer. I can understand why this is extremely boring to watch. Cause I saw that me as an avid angler, I watch it because I want to learn. But that's hard to do when guys aren't walking through what they're doing. If the commentators aren't helping describe what's going on, um, and we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna come around full circle to that. But also, as an angler, I 100% understand when that is your career, that's your job, that is your living, that you have to use the best means possible that you're allowed to use to give you the best chance to win, or at least to make as much money as you possibly can. So I want to start that off of like that's three different perspectives we're looking at. But also anyone that is out there that's going after the anglers, you need to put yourself in their shoes. Like if you have a if you have a job, which hopefully all of you guys do in some capacity, <laughs> is something there. If, if you had the equipment to do the, your job to the best of your ability to make the most money out of that, wouldn't you be using the same thing? So don't, don't blame the anglers for this. This is not an angler problem. No. It's, this is uh 
And I think a lot of this is this whole forward-facing sonar debate is there, there's two things. One, we can talk about the biological effects of fisheries, which I think one, we cannot talk about at least the three of us, cause we don't have the credentials to, but mm-hmm. two, like in talking with our, our friend, Stephen Barden as a fisheries biologist, there's not enough studies done yet to even give a, a, a confident, you know, plan of attack on if it does affect fisheries as much as we, as some, as some people are claiming it is. So I don't right. think there's some a comment on that yet. And then two, it's, we look at tournament fishing on this platform and we view it as this big thing because it gets the most attention in the bass fishing realm. You have that and you have YouTube. And when you see that, obviously you think, oh, that's everything now. But in the grand scheme of things, tournament fishing, when we look at the big picture of bass fishing, tournament fishing is minuscule Very tiny. on the board. Yeah. So, it, it obviously that is why a lot of this is getting so much attention, but in the grand scheme of things, we're okay. <laughs> like, right. We're in a good, right. we're, we're okay. in Bass fishing. Like the, the fisheries are okay. They're doing well. If you want to go pick up a spinner bait and go down the bank, you can still catch them just like that. Don't think because this is what the pros are doing. That's like, the, I mean, yeah. So, so, so I think you're right. I think you could do, a, the amount of content you could produce around this and it has been produced around this is ridiculous but but i'm okay with like i, I think people are like man people need to stop talking about forward-facing sonar it's like yes but this is also a seismic shift like this is and i don't know like that is like it is a giant shift in the way we fish that hasn't like that we haven't seen like when the alabama rig came out when the sides came out yes those were huge differences this is bigger than all of that in my opinion right like the i think on the to your point on the regulations of fishery side, that is a is a completely separate debate than what we're talking about here. But I want to touch on one thing there mm-hmm. because this is the 21st century. Everything is advancing extremely well technology wise, and I want to relate this to the hunting side of things because I think it's a great play. Like right now, the long range rifle world is exploding like it has been exploding but like you can take rifles right now and do incredible things with them where you never could in the past right mm-hmm. bows you're, you're starting to see tech involved in archery stuff that is ridiculous guys comfortably shooting 100 yards right like stuff that you just have never seen from like the aspect of of how we're harvesting these animals think about your mapping the technology with mapping in hunting stuff is absurd right now. Like you can dial in so much at home and do all this stuff. And so like that is not going to change regardless of this is fishing, hunting, whatever else it's, it's how you manage the resource. And so like the approach in the hunting world is like, yeah, this technology is getting so advanced that it's like, okay, a, it becomes an ethical debate on, on what's the, what the, what's the ethics here. Can, you know, is it, are you as a hunter, comfortable shooting an animal a thousand yards away that doesn't have any idea that you're there, blah, 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 this. And then also, um, are, are we making a clean kill shot? If that is the case, anyways, from a long range rifle perspective, like there's nothing in States that have regulated any of this yet, but at the same time, as a biologist standpoint, there's still, if the unit has a hundred elk tags given to it, 
there's still a hundred elk tags going to that unit, whether they are are killed with a rifle that can shoot this far or a rifle that can shoot this far. So a regulation standpoint, to me, the forward-facing sonar in that same debate, it's like, okay, if you can especially like think about your crappie, your perch, like those, those species to me are incredibly fun to fish for forward-facing sonar. And those species are very targetable with that. Like they are grouped up. They show up really well. They're suspended in water columns. Like that to me is like, okay, I can see the argument of that. This is a potential threat to these fisheries, but a forward facing sonar is becoming more mainstream. More and more people will utilize it as we go forward. But the vast majority, a don't, you know, on these places, like you look around, like not there, there's guys that don't have it or don't have anything, you know, um, related to it, but it just becomes it's the same with regulations as far as like, okay, if you have a 25 fish limit of crappie, like, yes, it could get dangerous if guys are just destroying and, and taking all that. But Hey, a lot of guys who are using this technology aren't necessarily keeping every fish that they, that they catch. Um, and then mother nature protects itself. Like I truly think we're going to see a time frame here where more and more fish get caught on the bank in the grass, in places that are, are hard to access with this technology because it's going to happen. Like I, I promise you, you're already seeing where guys are having to change baits or back far off a of fish. Like that's going to continue to get worse on these, on these fisheries that are hit hard. And it's going to make it harder for guys to do that kind of stuff. And the technology will continue to get better. It's just, I don't know. There's a lot to this. And this is kind of going off of the, the, the task at hand talking about the tournament coverage. But to me, it's a, it's, it's a, it's something that is not going to change and going to continue in any aspect of, hunting, fishing, it's just managing the resources, I think is a debate for everything going forward. The technology is just going to continue to get better and better. Yeah. I, th I think on that, and I know we're, we're, to, to reiterate, we're getting back to tournament fishing. I, I think this is, this is the call to action. I think if you're watching or listening to this, this is your call to action. If you are against or at, at any point worrisome about this technology. This is a time to invest and get involved in your state's fishing game. Like this is the time because these are the people that control how many fish are allowed to be kept from such fishery on a daily basis. That is who decides that. So the, these, your, your creel surveys and your limits you're allowed to take from certain bodies of water or certain fish uh, species, they are set for a reason because that is what the, biologists and the people way, way smarter than us have decided a, a fishery can withstand and they they don't just set it once and be like hey, we're good for the next 20 years boys we'll be all right no they, right. they do this year by year i mean I, I can't comment on how actively throughout the year but it's a year by year basis and if there was an issue they would bring up the issue but they're not going to jump to conclusion right away so this is the time to be investing in those people because those people are ultimately the ones beyond like deacon said the mother nature themselves that is helping protect the fisheries yeah so that's the time to do that these people aren't going to just be like yeah we're gonna let the crappie die out in oklahoma we'll be all right right <laughs> they're, they're gonna take action before it's a yeah. real problem so yeah. have faith in that and i understand some states it like I'll, I'll be i'm the first one that i complain about our fishing game all the time it's the time to take action to that and really support it if you will of whether that is making a donation, whatever, supporting a program, going to your sections, meetings, and voicing your opinions or your concerns, this is the time to be doing that and being more active in our sport beyond just participating uh, in the, the fishing or catching. 
Yeah, and I, and I think you can take it even further than just like forward-facing sonar, right? It's environmental factors like killing weeds or killing weeds improperly or um, handling invasive species like snakehead and peacock bass and clown knifefish and round goby getting into certain bodies of water. Like the only people that can change and help that are the, is the public of that state of where those issues are rising and killing off predatory fish that are coming in from people just dropping them in waterways. But I, mean, I want to digress real fast and kind of go back to Okeechobee. Don't you think Ford facing the kind of showcase that that lake is still alive and well, even though all the environmental factors that are going on there, like how they're killing off all the grass, the bass are still mm -hmm. there. They're just changing oh, yeah. the way they live and forward facing is helping exploit the population. They're still catching giant fish and it, everyone's like, Oh, Okeechobee's declining. It's on its way out. And then Scott Martin drops the biggest three fish day limit that we've ever seen in a tournament. Like I'm going to yeah. honestly looking at the content and the live from that tournament and talking with some of the guys that fished it. I'm going to still think that Okeechobee's hurting, man. Like, look at the pictures yeah. of some of these guys. 80 boats in a... a, a yeah, but less it's than kind a, of always been that way, right? In certain areas of the lake, it was just... Not really, though. ...from grass. Well, like, well, okay. Here, rooms, you can see half of them. Yeah, I mean, and Andy, like you said, you didn't tune into too much of the coverage on that. But Scott made a really good... Uh, Scott is super crafty, and I've always noticed this with him, of like, if he is in the limelight and he's doing his job to get in the limelight, like, he's going to... A, talk about sponsors, and B, talk about things that are important to him uh, and family and these kinds of things. But he talks, obviously, he's a big proponent of saving Lake Okeechobee. He did a huge breakdown on live while fishing, the, what's going on there. And it sounds like it's in, a, it's in a fairly dire state. I think my takeaway from that, Andy, was that, yes, there's some big fish that are learning to survive in that situation. There's a good population that is. But yeah, you look at the coverage and that kind of place like, that water is so high that it is that it is stopping the grass from growing in those situations that have always kept the water clean and these types of things that we all know really makes big like big grass makes big bass like solid mm -hmm. healthy grass fisheries turn out giants and so that is what his concern was these fish are still spawning and doing the thing your point is valid that in Florida there's always like the has and has not have not areas right like everyone concentrates on a section but to me, there's still a lot of damage occurring on Okeechobee. And, uh, and that's, that was the point of it all was like, these fish are living on mud clumps and on scrap that like is not sustainable to continue to grow big yeah. fats anyway. No, I yeah. get it. It's just, I, I guess my point was it still shows that there's still fish there to be caught and it's allowing us to understand what they're doing when they're traditional environment has been destroyed right like they're adapting and surviving the best that they can and yeah, yeah like, I mean, like deacon said mother nature is always going to protect itself but yeah, absolutely i just man i just uh, i think yeah, that's one I mean, where we're not all it, from it, florida it, so we don't see what's it, going on it, it's a tough subject right i'm just trying to give a counter argument that's all i'm doing so yeah. trying yeah. to keep the conversation going so i mean yeah and i think the that whole side of a debate is different because in the tournament fishing world, right, you're seeing this coverage. And for me, the number one reason I watch tournament bass fishing is education. And then my number two region reason is entertainment. 
And I still am getting tidbits of education from watching these last tournaments, but I find myself distracted, doing other things, listening, and kind of having it on the background, which has always been a thing. But like when a guy is changing locations and fishing docks and then going in frogging in the grass and you're seeing that decision making occurring i think that is so much more entertaining to watch and understand from an education standpoint the number one reason i have always said i love bass fishing more than any other type of fishing and tournament bass fishing is because you can turn you can you can catch them so many different ways like you can have your your guy that was the finesse guy be right in contention with the guy that's punching mats on on the same body of water and to me that has always been the coolest part is like i'm someone who gets bored with things easily like i find myself like finding new hobbies and doing it like in the hunting and fishing world and and so that's what's always been so cool is like you go to a body of water you don't know what to expect you have 14 rods out on the deck because you don't know what's going to happen and like these types of things and now my concern is on some of these events you know how it's going to be won. You know what nine of the top 10 are going to be doing. And if they're all looking down at their feet, it's hard, especially if they're not talking through it, to learn and stay engaged as a viewer. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it really is. And I'm going to be the first one to call myself out here, is that last year I had that mindset of like, I, I love when the guys are still using forward because I'm, you know, from that standpoint, learning. It, it, it does make a giant difference on whether or not one the commentating crew can facilitate it but two if the angler themselves can talk through what they're doing like mm-hmm. you have some yes. guys that are just dead silent that it is just like when they're just looking down not casting not not speaking at all and they're they're panning doing their thing which i i want to say i understand like if i'm in a position where i'm focused, focused. i'm contention to win a tournament like i totally understand i'm not knocking that it's just more of when you look at it from production value it's really hard for somebody to watch that, especially when they're not like the three of us where they're not looking actively seeking, you know, information advancement from a, uh, understanding how as an angler, when you're looking at something like a, uh, just a general consumption, you love bass fishing. You want to watch. It is freaking boring out of your mind. And mm-hmm. I think that is one where it's like, as humans, we need, especially folks like myself with ADHD, you need active stimulus. Over and over, which is where a swim jig in the grass, throwing a chatterbait, throwing a top water, that's where that comes into play. That's what makes mm-hmm. bass fishing exciting. You know, the same reason why people on social media look at these giant saltwater topwater blow ups and they freaking lose their marbles over it because it's exciting. And I, I understand that this is where our sport's at, but man, I, I gotta say, if I'm if I'm uh, one of the trails right now, and I know there's so many ears left and right, but the way I'm looking at it and the way that Everything's being perceived, and again, I I don't know the numbers, so if the numbers are good, I can see why they won't change a thing. But like, if I'm looking at it, I think the trail right now that either puts a limitation on amount of transducers you can use, or goes back to say no forward. Like, I think that trail is gonna kill it, honestly, because it goes back to forcing guys to to catch them without it. I don't know. I, I know that's that is a that's a heavy statement because that tries to imply a significant change, which I don't think I have any sort of credential to say so. That is just simply opinion. Just wanted to okay. put the asterisk there. 
Well, and like an opinion on that standpoint, right? It's like, why won't they allow anglers to use the Alabama rig for whatever allows them within their state laws? Or like you can think about like a Keith Poche or a Mark Menendez when they've won tournaments doing something else from the crowd. Why don't they allow guys to use different boats for events, limit transducers, bring other baits into the mix that they weren't allowed to use before and kind of make it more of an open playing field instead of everybody just throwing a three inch minnow bait on a ball head. Yeah. I want to see Poche <laughs> digging out a tunnel to some backwater hole in his yeah. boat. I love to watch that. Yeah. Or like the one that always resonates in my mind is the Mark Menendez tournament on Lake Dardanelle, where he was like pulling rocks because somebody dropped rocks in this canal that he was going back to. Right. So he had to like dig it out with like the oar on his boat just to try to get through. Mm-hmm. Like, allow that stuff to happen as long as it's legal tournament waters like if they have an advantage to go back there i understand like minimum horsepower requirements so make the minimum like 150 and let them run the boat they want to run on whatever body water they go to like yeah you mentioned that (laughs) yeah I was like, you mentioned that yesterday, Andy, and I think that's such a good idea. Like, if you can, one, I think it also helps anglers be more marketable too from a boat company perspective. But, like, you mentioned how allowing guys to run however many boats and different boats they want throughout uh, a tournament. I think that just makes it fun. I think that just tournament setting. You can't change your boat every day when you show up to a tournament. That's the boat you have to run, right? But, like, wherever venue they go to, like, if they go to like, Winya Bay, right? Like on South Carolina, and you know, you have all these little offshoots off these rivers. How much fun would it be to watch all these guys in these little tin boats and jet motors running up in all these places that you never seen live coverage and the camera works and they're catching them in like six inches of water where they had to jump seven logs to get back to it? It'd be awesome to see winch their way in. Yeah. Like, and just yeah. <laughs> playing devil's advocate of, of all of these points here. There's some people who be like, in the opens, you know, you have a co-angler or you have a marshal and it's a safety factor. Well, that's why you have waivers. That's yeah. what waivers are for. <laughs> you can't be involved in the tournament if you don't sign this waiver. Yeah. Say, hey, if you get paired up with Keith Poche, chances are you're going to be jumping something. Yeah. Sign here if you're okay with that. And you know what? And most bass fishermen or fishermen in general are crazy enough that they're going to be like, yeah, man, let's freaking do it. Let's go jump that rock wall. Let's have some fun. Like, sign yeah, it's like, up. it's like, being an NFL player and just understanding that there's inherent risk that you're going to get a concussion. You're yeah. going to get hurt. Okay. But this is not here. the NFL. Like, I'm, I'm with no. your guys's points here, but like, <laughs> I think, I, I think the boat debate to me is two things. A it's, um, it's, it's trying, and this is a tough one because you could argue the same way with electronics right now. That's why, in my opinion, we will see a regulation going forward. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think we're going to start to see some cutbacks here. But A, from an expense standpoint, guys are like, okay, it's an unfair advantage for Pro A to have the financial funds to run two different boats and take them across the country and say, okay, I have a a shallow water boat and then I have my deep V for when we're up north. It's like, okay, I kind of see that aspect of things of saying like, if you're a young rookie and you're 23 years old trying to make it and you don't have the financial backing and some guy who's been in the career since you know whatever and he's 55 years old and he's he's doing it all and he's got four boats and he can pick whatever he wants whenever he wants like there's always going to be those advantages and disadvantages but at some point like in every sport there's some kind of regulation like look at baseball right like the metal bats like from pros to to college and stuff like those kinds of things to me 
are are in place for a reason and i and i get the debate with all this stuff and i and i see the electronic stuff i think it makes it hard for me to make an opinion on getting rid of electronics because i love fishing with forward facing sonar and it would annoy me if i couldn't utilize that in my own tournament fishing you know like i would like to do one off one off events without it i would love like to see more one off like frogging events right and more stuff like that a that stuff sells the crap out of media that's what it's what the biggest replays are on social media it's what we like think about in your head this is what todd and i were talking about when we have our our, our show that we'll need to redo at some point but basically it's like what what replays in your head from watching Bassmaster, from watching the tour, anything like that. It could be any time in your childhood to now. Like what scenes do you remember? Like, and I'm curious what you two like. What are the what are like the couple scenes where you're like, oh, this one time, like I, I it plays rent free in my head. Uh, Kyle Welcher at Lake Hartwell with a mag draft last day in the classic. They ended up in a freaking four or five pounder smokes it like that lit that is badass i'm just gonna say like right. that you could i don't want to steal any thunder but you can roll off so many of these yeah oh, yeah right I, I would say the biggest one for me i think was uh the mississippi river the one before octafo one on the spillway but when everyone was like in the top 10 throwing frogs over vast weed mats i think it was like 2009 2010 i think todd faircloth may have won that one and he's like way up in some backwater with his bass boat throwing a frog and he's catching 18 19 pounds a day and every bite was just like absolutely epic like the duckweed's blowing out and he's catching like 70 of them a day and like that looks like fun to me sign me up like top every top water bite that's memorable like that there's so many to me, it's like big fish that are in a unique situation or like there's drama associated with it. There's a dock involved. There's stuff like that. Like the one one that comes to mind is like fighter on Champlain flipping docks, right? And yeah. catching that six pounder or whatever it was. Like that is like whole like that. Those kinds of shots like um, way back in the day in Ish Monroe down in South Texas, bed fishing with a giant white tube. And like seeing that mm-hmm. action play out like those, those types of things. And here's, here's a take that I haven't thought of that. It's like, okay, for instance, when you say Kyle Welcher with a mag draft, and, and I think that he was pulled that fish from under a dock, right? Like it was going, uh, I think it was it a lay was down a dock. Okay. A lay down a dock, whatever it may be. I think that stuff is visually appealing. And that angler in that situation is utilizing forward facing sonar. Most likely. To, to line up on that or i mean if it's visual and it's right next to you and throw a pitch at it but like i think about when i'm using forward facing sonar and i'm looking at a dock i'm looking under that dock i want to follow my bait out under that dock and see if a fish is going to follow it out that is still going to be visually appealing to a fan because like it's the scene right it's like you see the dock you see the fish come out of the dock whatever it may be like that is still visually stimulating in all aspects and that's the same with all of these bites we're talking about whether that be a a bush a tree flipping punching any of that but when you have guys in the abyss like out in the middle of nowhere it's hard for the angler and the uh tournament organization to make that interesting without really digging into the questions like i want to know that there's a creek channel out there and he's in the middle of the channel 
and he's working his way out of this. And this is why he feels like these fish are there. But sometimes a, it's hard to explain anything because you're like, I don't know, man, I just started scoping in this bay and they're here. Right. And they're in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's hard. It's hard for the viewer unless there's a lot of talking going on. It's just not visually appealing. It's just the ocean and a guy looking down at the screen. Yeah. I, it sounds like what you would like to see or like, and it would never happen. Right. And I'm not saying it's something that you'd like to see, but like, it could be a cool rule change where they implement like on certain bodies of water, like a depth allocation of how deep they can actually use forward facing <laughs> sonar. It would never happen, but could you imagine if they're yeah, like, well, like the old okay, days of you like can the use holes. it to the, yeah, you could use it to a Remember 15 that? foot contour line break and you can't go anywhere past that. And if you're past that, then it's like a five pound penalty per day or something ridiculous. Like it would never happen, but like it makes the anglers be more, um, more informative about what they're doing and the decisions they're making and why they're making casts. So it's like limiting what they can do, but it's a more along the lines of a, making them talk more while they're fishing. That's way more appealing to the general public, right. but you're limiting the so amount hard. of water that they can fish. Yeah. Yeah. It makes right. it messy. Like, how do you, how do you stay focused? Like, like I think Chris Zaldane one time said, I'm willing to, he does, and he does such a great job of talking through when he's on Bassmaster mm -hmm. live of what he's doing. Right. And at the end of the day, he probably is missing out on opportunities by taking that time to focus and talk through the camera of like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. He's viewing this in my opinion as like, okay, this is going to make me look really good for sponsors. This is going to make me look really good to people interested in learning and all these types of things. Yes. I'm in the middle of a tournament, but like, here's the benefits that I see from doing this. But, like that is a rare breed. You don't see that with a lot of guys, right? Like you see guys dialed in and I understand it of like being dialed in, but by doing that, you are making it super visually unappealing to people watching. Um, so it's, it's a very difficult thing that I think we have going on with our sport right now, regardless of technology and all that, it's just making it harder in these situations and it'll get better, right? There's still going to be those fish catches, those frog bites, those, bed fishing situations, those things that in my opinion are really fun to watch as we get into the spring and on these places or dock bites and all this stuff where you are still utilizing forward facing sonar, but the, it's visually appealing, but like, there's just going to be more of the open. Like there's, we now know there's fish out there all the time and there's going to be guys that are just doing that year round. Oh, like that's just let me ask this question real fast. Sorry, Deegan. I didn't mean to cut you off there at the very end, but yeah. like, um, you know, we're talking in our group chat about this and we're, I forgot who mentioned it, but like the Spro tournament, right? Like the frog tournament on Gunnersville or Chickamauga. What if like these little regional, like one day events start proposing like live coverage? Do you feel like they would be able to take away viewership because they have more exciting venues, like limited to one single bait, no forward facing, just throwing a frog, however you want. Do you think they would be able to get more general public viewership? just on the fact that it's more visual bites anglers may talk about what they're doing more etc yeah i think if you're a brand this this is a genius idea and i think we're obviously giving them a great marketing idea here uh like if you're a spro you go and sponsor bassmaster and say hey we'll pay you you know 200 grand to go and live stream our event for frogging one day like we're gonna find 10 or whatever five ten regional hammers that we have here 
we're gonna stick a camera in their boat and like you one bass receives the numbers yeah. but also spro it's just genius marketing uh like that i think is smart from a brand side um like for because there's a bunch of those around. There's the the Bill Lewis rattle trap events. There's John yeah, Cruz had the free missile ones for a while. I yeah, so. you could list a whole crap ton of them that have them, and I think those are great. I think those are awesome. I think people really enjoy fishing them. Um, most of them, I think, have some charitable involvement too, which I think is awesome for the sport. Um, but in in the scheme of of tournament fishing, and I, I don't want this to come off as negative because again i, I am i'm going i try to be the biggest advocate for fishing but also tournament fishing i love them all but i think when we're using the term grow the sport i think nowadays we need to use that term in regards to fishing general fishing because when we talk about growing the sport tournament fishing i think it's grown i think it's overgrown i think it's too dang full i don't think really? there's I think I just I at this rate looking at it, man, I just uh from from the industry side, seeing how much, you know, to an extent much money that's out there and guys that are trying to do it. It's I'm all for trying to to allow as many guys and, and gals the opportunity to live their dream of fishing full time. But I just think that there's when in tournament bass fishing, there's a capacity to that. Just totally. like there is like in a any other sport. There's a roster size. I mean, there's ways that you're finding other people make that living outside of tournament fishing, but that's, that's, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but when we're talking about tournament bass fishing. I think the way I look at, it, I think it's, it's, it's grown to its capacity. And I think if it, if there's any room to improve, I think that the, uh, when you, when you're an up and coming angler and you look at how these tournaments are being won, like okay i gotta get really good forward facing sonar because every event has some capacity is being one with these and then it's just generation by generation becomes more and more and more about technology whereas you lose your general instincts about fishing and i think that's just going to create an interesting evolution of tournament anglers and i i just want to while we're getting heated in this i'm not say heated but like in depth with this conversation i want to preface that i'm not we're not saying that forward facing sonar is bad we don't believe it we love it we love using it think it's great for fishing it's more we're talking about a business from a production value standpoint is what we're looking at for live tournament fishing so let me let's re- remind people as we we talk about that but uh, i just i just think right now it's in a weird crossroads that yeah. i think these these tournament trails are in yeah. that it's like uh, it's if I'm a bassmaster. I mean, like again, they might have great growing numbers, and if that's if that's truly the case, if I'm them, I don't blame them for not trying to make any changes. But I'll be interested to see if it continues this throughout the season of more forward-facing sonar. That there might have to be a change. Like maybe it's just limiting to one transducer. Like it might not have to be a. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm never on a bandwagon to ban anything. I hate cancel culture. Yeah. I think it's the dumbest yeah. thing that exists. Uh, I'm with you. I just think I, I do believe, though, there might be a limitation on certain things that we need to have if they want a hybrid of guys being able to use the technology, uh, um, appeasing the, the the brands out there that are creating such great sonar advancements, but also keeping it entertaining for people. Where I think it was still very entertaining for people when guys only had, you know, when it was you know early in the route where only one guy was you know running one transducer and he was doing a hybrid of deep and shallow things like that i think 
that was where our, our tournament fishing and from a bass standpoint was at its peak. Yeah, I almost right. wish we had like the live coverage back in like 2006 through like 2015, right? Like the grand days, like when they figured out ledge fishing, like, could you imagine the live coverage then before it got so overpopular? Yeah. I well, mean, that's kind of like, I think it was good. Good. I was just going to say, I, was... <laughs> I think of that Spider-Man meme right now, like where they all just that's point at each good. other. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I mean, I think my problem with it isn't is not is not the um high level technology. It, you know, I I understand some of that aspect. For me, like I'm just trying to compare this to other like sports the way it's set up currently, be, being that it is a single person at the highest level, a single angler competing the same way that you see like bull riders the same way that you see bowling the same way you see golf like those are the three comparisons to me and golf is by far the biggest sport out of all of those and it's like okay how many people watch golf that don't play golf or maybe play at a very low recreational level but like the popularity of watching golf and the pressure associated with a guy on the golf course at the end like that is what i feel like the dive in of what people are looking into and this is kind of what todd had a good point on this it's like that pressure that crack of like watching that person go through that mentally like how do we make people feel that way when watching bass fishing because it used to be too the other the other good point is like we used to not have live coverage so you could take all the production of a tournament and turn it into something really cool in that, you know, one hour, two hour show, right. That we would see with like the Bassmaster elite event on this place. And the production team did a really good job of like following through that tournament and what was happening and having all these different shots. And of course the highlight reels of catching a seven pounder or whatever it is, but you got to see this progression in all of this in a shortened window. Now we get to see all of it, which is great. We get to learn more. But it's a different ball game when it, it gets a little bit more boring, right? When it comes to this live for, for a audience that is outside of tournament anglers or people like ourselves that understand deeply what's going on. So it's just, it's such a tough thing in my eyes. And I just want it to be, I want it to grow from a viewership perspective to make it more economically feasible for guys at the top level to tournament fish. That's what, that's what I would love to see. And it's hard to do the way it's structured because the vast majority of people watching it are people who are tournament anglers, which is great, but I just don't know how it ever gets past that. That's a hard question to ask. And again, it's coming down where it's three jabronis here talking here. So there's going to be higher powers that be that make these decisions, but uh, sure. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have a good solution for it. And I hate being the guy that brings a problem to the table without a, a, a solution. But I think that the way it's going right now, man, like it just, I think that it's just not a, a great direction. I don't think tournament fishing is in a bad place. I just don't think it's in a place where it's going to grow any larger than it already is. I think that's, it could be what, moving to a stagnant place is where it's yeah. At. 
I, I think it's in a place that's very vulnerable right now where there's a lot of negative risk if they keep down if it if it keeps going this way of guys just looking down at four facing sonar where I don't think there's much opportunity to to go up if and attract new viewership. I don't think that's there right now. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And now when you say growth too, because there's two different things here, because I think it would be cool. And this, this especially just being where I'm at in the country on the Western part of the state. I think there's the opportunity to grow tournament fishing out here with anglers tournament fishing. I mean, like, right. Like having more local events that have more people who want to tournament bass fish. Now there's a lot into that debate with funds and everything else. Right that go along with this. But to me, that is what like I see opportunity in growing more people doing this as a hobby fun thing, just like a golf, just like anything else, just like going fun fishing, but making it, I like the tournament side. So like, I see that opportunity for growth. I agree. I do not see like, I, we already have three tournament professional tournament leagues happening quote unquote right now that are live and do all this stuff across the country. As far as viewership goes, they're fighting for, for, I think, like you said, a lessening pool, it seems like, and this is without any knowledge on that, but like, there's just less people, I think, interested in, in that stuff, especially when you have no context. Like if you are talking to somebody that is a very smart person that is, you know, into a type of fishing, but it's not bass fishing and you turn it on and you're like, yeah, this is what this guy's doing. And like, you know, this, like that can be very hard for someone who has never looked at forward facing sonar to understand what the heck is going on. Like not even have a clue other than when they hook a fish and reel it in, you know? Yeah. Or if they're throwing a frog, like, yeah, he has this top water frog. He throws it over there and fish go kaboom. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's easy to, to demonstrate. It's we're in an interesting time, man. And I, I want to, I think one point of this too, to understand, which is why it makes this complex is that while fishing might be, you know, people always use in the industry, this the saying that fishing, the industry wise is always 10 to 15 years behind everything else, which I definitely think is, is true. There's a lot of people that are against forward facing sonar because they want it to be like the good old days. And it's one of those things where I can understand why there might be some, some passion behind that statement. And so like, especially if you, you went through it type of deal, but you got to understand that everything everything in this world not just fishing evolves and it has to evolve there's always going to be advancement uh you can't stay locked in one spot forever because uh, again like we talked about at the beginning people always want something new they want to see something fresh you give them the same product over and over and over again it's again you said it becomes stale so it's it's one of those things where i think we we need to keep evolving people need to understand that or facing sonar at this rate is not going to go anywhere, but there needs to be some sort of correction, I think, on the the tournament side of live professional fishing, bass fishing. There, there likely there needs to be some sort of correction if they want to maintain from from a business a viewership, and I, I think that's just I think it's going to have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think we, I think, I think that's kind of, we're all in a fair agreement from that perspective of like, it's just, it, man, it can be hard to watch in those events, especially when everyone's in the same thing. Now, I'm going to retract and say the event that's going on right now on the invitational on Rayburn, I have enjoyed 
watching the final day on that, everyone's a lot of people are still looking at their feet. But you know, you're seeing you're seeing six XDs getting thrown. You're seeing big jigs. You're seeing stuff like that's a variety. I think that's the thing for me is like the variety. Like that's what I want to see is I want to see the the differences there and then the ability for anglers to talk through it. But like when it's an event where every like that what we saw last week on Toledo where every single person is doing the same thing, it doesn't even really get you excited to see him catch a five or six pounder because it doesn't really affect their day. Uh, as far as a five fish limit, that's a whole different debate, but like that, that just wasn't nearly as appealing. Like I had a really hard time staying focused watching that versus, versus when guys are doing different things. Yeah. I, I feel bad. I forgot who it was, but there was, it was yesterday I was tuning in and there's some younger kid gave me some, some faith left that we can fish in other ways. Cause he was skipping a buzz bait into bushes and catching up on that. Oh, it's Cal I remember who it was. It was, it was a Cal? Okay. Well, it was, yeah, he's sitting yeah. in third right now. Sign uh, me up for that bite, by the way. That sounds fun. Yeah. You, I just <laughs> I'm like, okay, there is some faith. You know, we can we can make this, you know, fishing still multifaceted. And it's again, this is this is just a big picture, a lot of theory that we're talking here because this was really, I feel like the I don't think it's as negative as a topic as people are making it out to be. I think that's just social media being social media. Um, right. But I, obviously the voices were fairly loud at the end of last year and they for sure, for sure carried into the beginning of this year. And we're going to see it keep going forward as the elites start on fork, especially this time of year, like you're going to see people still they're The guys are going to, they're not going to stop using it to catch them. Cause again, they're going to use every no. tool within their means that they're allowed to use to win as much money as they can. Uh, so it's, I don't know, this is an interesting one, and it's, it's. I think you're finding a lot of more guys are becoming prone to where it's the same to our mindset of, we love forward-facing sonar, but I think we need to, but, yeah, we need to figure something out here. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that's, I heard this on a, on some show the other day. It was like, it's so true. And I think, I think we do a really good job of this. And, um, I just, this is a total life topic of things, but it's like people who are so ingrained in their belief swinging on one side or the other, right? It's our problem with our country politically. It's our problem. And it's a, it goes back to human nature of like tribal instincts, right? Of like, this is the tribe or whatever. I think it shows a very mature person. When you say, A, hey, my viewpoint has changed on this, right? With forward facing sonar, like, because that's, that's, I, I'm totally in the same boat. Is like in the beginning of this, it was like, dude, this is awesome. I was an early adopter, early ish adopter, not like some of these guys that really were early adopters, but like watching these guys on live break it down because there's not everyone was doing it. I was like, yeah, this is sweet. We got to keep this in the sport. Like, this is, and I'm all for keeping it in the sport. But I'm starting to retract my viewpoint on like, okay, I can see how this can hurt from a media view standpoint. And I think that's a healthy thing to do is to like not hold those issues with like, this is what the only way it's like, nah, man, your, your opinion can change. Your viewpoint can change. Like that's, that's what I think is, uh, is important about this stuff. And, um, I don't know, you don't see that. Like that's, that's where I view a lot of the negativity in the fishing world right now is people who are like, this is the only way. Like, this is the only way either with it or without it. It's like, no, we can come up with like a, something in the middle here that can be beneficial for end users. Right. And I think the biggest thing on top of that is 
it's one thing to be headstrong in your opinion, but if you're not willing to at least, you know, at least evaluate or analyze another point of view that's differing, you're really not part of the solution here. Right. The, the whole bickering on social media, the people that go in the comments that are like, ban four facing sonar. Or just yeah. like degrading whoever the angler is when that Winning angler out there is literally just doing his job. Like, you're not helping anything. You're just being a menace, and it doesn't help anybody. I've got a solution. NHL rookie contracts arbitration, right? Like, the mass general public versus the pro anglers and the organizations. Throw them in a courtroom, let an arbitrator mediate it, and then come up with a common solution and be like, you know, NHL players like, I want $10 million a year for three years. And the team's like, no, I'm going to give you $2 million. They come back and get a three-year deal for $5 million. Let's do that. Throw them in a courtroom and let somebody in the middle that knows nothing about anything and just let them decide. How about that? I will <laughs> accept your offer and and raise you locker boxing instead. Just give them <laughs> helmet and gloves and let them decide whoever wins. <laughs> whoever wins here, this is the move. <laughs> Was it like if anybody uh, doesn't know. know what locker boxing is? It is uh something that got banned in youth hockey. Let's see, let's see so if I can age myself real kids. fast. Do you remember Celebrity Deathmatch on like Cartoon Network? No. Oh my god, look it up! It's hilarious. Like it's this. Is it like gang. rough and rowdy now? Kind of, but it was like cartoon, like fictional characters, and they'd like wrestle each other to the death at like middle of the night stuff. It's hilarious. And they had awesome, awesome commentary. Yeah, like. I just totally dated myself, but uh, yeah, celebrity deathmatch. Look it up if you can, and maybe that's what we have to do. When you, th- that, that's what I think of like rock'em sock'em robots, right? Like just put them in a ring and go. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. That's all. Let's see if I can find uh, a picture of it. We definitely took an interesting turn with this one. <laughs> yes, know, it, it, it was that. called Celebrity Deathmatch, and it aired in 1998. And like oh, they'd have people like Mariah Carey fight Jim Carrey in the middle of a ring and then one of them would die it was hilarious <laughs> yeah <Andy. laughs> all right like, yeah, that's, just comedy that's stuff. good like, that's that's andy folks <laughs> yes that is where my, andy. Right. <laughs> my i love it i love it here no as we start wrapping this thing up deacon real fast <laughs> I, i'd love to pose a question to you guys because I, I mentioned a little yeah. bit earlier but do you guys think of the three trails that are doing live tournament bass fishing you think the one that either limits it or say even has no forward-facing sonar do you think they will have a massive spike in viewership i don't think any it, of the leagues are those being talked about. no yeah. it, it's so tough to say because I think star power, the social media giants, right? Like the guys and the names that you know about are the ones that will always get the viewership following. So like, for instance, let's start out there. If Mike Iaconelli was like, I'm going to go fish MPFL because they have no forward facing sonar. He's going to pull a bunch of people to the MPFL to watch him fish without forward facing sonar, just because they're fans of Mike Iaconelli. Like, I don't think if banning it will generally raise the viewership, but if they find a way to make the viewership grow, like showing impressive frog blowups on their social media or on YouTube page and they stream it on YouTube, like I think that's where they're going to see their audience grow instead of just limiting it to their websites or FS1 per se, to where just a limited amount of people can watch it anyways. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my take on it is um, I don't know if there would be a to Andy's point, it is it is about star power and it's about um I think a huge thing is just the overlapping of we have so many leagues right now. It's hard to what when uh, all events are going on with all three. Like I watch all of them, right? Like, but when events they need are to work overlapping, and separate their tournament schedules. Right. Like that, I think is a is a factor when we have all this. As far as viewership going up, if there were to be no forward facing, I think people would certainly tune in to something like that. I find it hard to imagine one of these leagues adopting no forward fit, like as a hard set rule, no forward facing sonar. I find it very hard to think that anyone is going to stop that because that's what everyone is doing right now. And that would be a huge shift, be a huge shift for graph companies. It'd be a huge shift. I don't see that occurring. I think people would absolutely tune in. Like you're seeing these one-off events across the country right now that are no forward facing sonar. Like you just have to have it off of your boat in an event, um, which I think are cool. Like I think that's a fun one-off event. I'd love to fish one of those as a one-off event. I think it would, viewers would go and watch something like that, but to do an entire series of that, it all, I think one thing we have to remember is tournament viewership relates to people who tur who tournament fish and who fish the most like to me i don't know that i'm just saying demographically i think that's what it is right like the people who are watching it are people who are who tournament fish themselves and they're going to watch things that they relate to i think that's why we've seen a struggle with major league fishing with every fish counts because we don't relate to that like i want i'm used to watching and i'm used to fishing in a five fish event and going and catching a seven pounder like the whole idea of cliff crochet at toledo bend catching an 11 pounder that didn't even get shown on anything right like that sucks because of that format style that he that it's a it's a numbers game rather than that like that that puts him right in it in a five fish derby my point is everyone is adopting forward facing sonar again the people higher level fishermen people who are interested in this game have forward facing sonar or are working to get forward facing sonar and if you were to limit that at the top end tournament level i think at this point it would be kind of difficult because you're like man everyone's buying and utilizing this stuff on their boats and now they're taking it off like i think it'd be fun to watch i just feel like again we can't relate to it because it's like man i'd be looking at under that dock on forward facing sonar to see if there's a brush pile on it like i, I don't know yeah I, I guess like in retrospect too like this is where mlf does things really cool is like they have the heavy hitters events right like what if an organization came out and said okay we're going to have a three tournament series of our top 20 anglers from this, this, and this tournament. And we're going to throw them on three legs that they know nothing about, take all the graphs off and just have like a three event special where there's no electronics involved in live streaming. That's where I think MLF dropped the ball big time on this. Yeah. Uh, Heavy hitter. Well, was it the cup, no, it was the cup event yeah. uh, that they would do. They would just, uh, they would, they, I think if they made those live, those would have been, huge man the yeah. ones where they didn't tell them where the hell they were going yep they're like here's the state we're giving you a boat load your truck up with tackle here's where we're going yeah, gave like, them 30 minutes to ride around to watch. those would have been dude they were awesome to watch can you imagine if those were live yeah like, like an organic creation of that and if an organization took it to the next level made it live it'd be an insane hit like it's just yeah and i think 
Not, now we're just giving wrong. these companies ideas, right? Like <laughs> for whoever dudes, oh, that, now you're going to see it in the next year or two. And we're like, crap, we thought of that. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they have been talked about. And yeah, I mean, no, I agree. Like, I think, I think uh, it is, it is needed. I, I am really curious to see what kind of, what we see as a progression in like, say the next five years, you know, like five years from now, it will be very interesting to see what tournament live coverage looks like. Um, and I think they're trying, like what I love it, the, the, the thing I like about having the three leagues right now, it breeds competition. A, one of them might get knocked out, but B you're seeing guys try things by connecting forward facing sonar to watching it. Right. And saying like, okay, does the, do the viewers want to see this type of stuff? Um, I think all that stuff helps. I think at the end of the day, the anglers for me personally, if the anglers can talk through stuff, I'll watch anything. Like that's that's great, but when it's just it's hard to watch through it when they're doing the same thing over and over. And uh, yeah, man, I don't know what the solution is. Hey, give me more Hunter Shryock, wacky Sanko, and six inches of water underneath a certain dock on a certain lake, tangling with a ten pound giant, right? Like an eight plus pound giant, and trying to unravel that thing. Like that's the stuff that's exciting to me. That's the stuff I want to watch. Dead on. <laughs> Dead on, and, and it'll happen still. It's just less of it, right? So, yeah, unfortunately, um, that's right. Well, yeah. guys, is there anything else you want to go over here before we kind of wrap things up? No, but I do want to challenge all the viewers who are watching this on YouTube to kind of comment down below in the comment section of what they think would be a good solution for a tournament organization to increase live viewership. I think that could be a fun, engaging way down here in the comments. I'm interested in what everyone who is tuning in on what their thoughts are instead of just saying ban it or keep it like i want to know what somebody's opinion is on how it could be better yeah give a insightful solution not just to screw it get rid of it like, don't like it could be your opinion that's fine you, feel free to say ban forward facing sonar yeah. but literally give a solution beyond just saying let's get rid of it because again nobody loves cancel culture yeah um but now I think we talked about a lot of the technology and from from the the goal of the show is from a tournament perspective as a as a business as a viewer where we think it is where we think it's going uh, I think we get a lot of insight to that I, I'd say my only thing that I would love to see the trails do uh, and even anglers that are that are at this level when we talk about the guys that are dead silent that are hard to watch that are even hard to learn from. Uh, which is the reason, like, you know, Deacon, you're talking about the reason you watch um, is let your personality show. Like, I understand if you're a very, uh, like, you know, internal, shy, quiet person, how that's very challenging. And I'm never going to try to, like, make somebody go full out and be somebody they're not. But, like, I love seeing as of as of late guys that are willing to let their true self be shown. Uh, I think like a great example of that is Luke Palmer. And he's been doing that through his YouTube channel where the dude is the dude's hilarious. Obviously we got some, we have some time with Luke a bunch on the show and, and, and hanging out with them at events and such. So it's like, obviously we see that, but like, it's cool when guys are allowing themselves to be themselves on live television. And I think that's really why people attach themselves to watching Bassmaster live. And a great example of that from last year's like Pat Schlapper dude's freaking hilarious. Like, like letting guys 
I, I, as a trail, I am trying to push guys to be more and more open with, you know, their personality, whether you're a, you're a guy that is, you know, very headstrong calls people out, like let them do that. Like we need rivalries. We need, we need these bouts in, in tournament fishing. I think every sport you see that, I think fishing needs that. I understand it's, it's the good old boys, which I never think is going to change. Uh, but you definitely need like we need more of that Skeet Reese versus Kevin Van Dam type of stuff nowadays, where it's we can still be friends with each other, but like yeah, have a little fun with it, like talk some crap. You know, I think we need some of that. I think you know, and, and guys that are on live, like man, just talk through what you're what you're doing because that's the only reason or only way people are are gonna learn. It's the reason they they stay watching you know, once they click on that. Um, but I mean, also selfishly as an angler, like when you let your personality out, your chances to get sponsors go through the roof. You're growing. I don't want to say like you're automatically going to get big money from it, but like you, you have an easier way of att- people attaching to you. You know, it's yeah, building that community that. versus a dude on a screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, man, I think that's a great way to wrap things up. Um, I think that's what I'm drawn to with watching tournament fishing, a lot of that stuff. And, uh, I think I think one thing to remember too is just like there's still gonna be stuff on the bank. There's still gonna be topwater stuff. And in my opinion, it very well could get better on some of that stuff because stuff is gonna get so pressured out. Like stuff changes, like right? Like how fast did the fish get conditioned to the Alabama rig? On certain bodies of water, it was ridiculous. Like personally watching that happen, you know. Um so just my take i think that we're going to see a resurgence at some point of bank guys that catch them really good in places now being consistent on the banks very hard but i think that like some of that stuff's gonna gonna play out um as we as we progress here so it's not all doom and gloom there's going to be plenty of great tournaments this spring that are won uh close Mm -hmm. to the bank or at least part of their bag is coming from the bank yeah i'll i'll add on i know it's not tournament fishing but I mean, there is part of that on YouTube, but if, if you're not liking what you're seeing on live tournament fishing right now, just know there's a hundred different YouTube channels out there right now of guys punching, frogging, throwing a spinner bait or guys that literally do it in tournaments that do that, that you can go watch too. So the content's still out there. It's just, and at the end of the day, if you're choosing to think to see negative about this, you're going to be negative. If you're choosing to see optimism, you know, we're going to be in a good spot. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, guys, great way to to wrap that up. Thanks for for getting this in. And um, yeah, man, looking forward to the next couple of weeks here. We've got the classic coming up. It's February. Got some time for ice out. But yeah, if you're able to travel, get south, enjoy, uh, enjoy getting out there. And and man, we'll see you guys uh down the road here. Fantasy fishing too coming up, guys. Uh, anyone yeah. interested? on our fantasy fishing shows on the serious angler show. We've got that. Um, and I guess without, before, before we completely get off again, we keep extending this, but any, any news from the serious angler side of things from lure lab, um, anything that you guys see coming recently that, that we need to, uh, to talk about for people to turn their eyes to, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Andy you just dropped a recent lure lab on spinner baiting in the spring. Yeah, we had, uh, we had Drew Gregory on. It's a long-winded episode, but there's a lot of really good nuggets in there. So to help you catch more Drew fish, talking but... long. What? 
<laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I got a I got a text from one of the viewers, and he goes, "I was wondering why the Lure Lab episode was so long this week," and then I clicked it, and he goes, "Oh, that's why." <laughs> <laughs> we like to poke fun at Drew, uh, and let's... and the drop a name on it was John King, so it was like you would expect that. Oh, of course, John. Yeah. yeah, I was laughing. <laughs> like seven thirty this morning, I wake up like I'm doing stuff, and I see I'm like I can't even respond to him right now. Like I was laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great Lure Labs. Uh, I'll say when this episode's dropping, if you're watching the same day it drops, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going live on Serious Angler with a uh, one that I have been trying to line up for a very long time, and I am super excited about it because you guys know I, I, I love the fishing culture we have here, but I also love studying Japanese fishing culture. Uh, we're having on Bassmaster Elite Series Pro Takumi Ito on the show live yeah. tomorrow night. So that is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's freaking awesome, boys. Well, great. Yeah, we can't wait to tune into that live and uh, and see the see some language barrels barrier struggling. Although he's gotten very good at English, but like I just that stuff's yes. awesome. I eat that stuff up. Yeah, um, yep. great. It's gonna be good. Right. I'm excited for that. No doubt. Well, uh, folks, I'm sure at this point when this comes out, the Super Bowl will be done with. But I uh, hope everyone had a good Super Bowl weekend. And uh, with that, we will wrap things up. Talk to you guys later. Thank you.